0: Our next guest is the Executive Vice President and General Manager of Security and Collaboration at Cisco, whose product, WebEx, is one that I've used for conversations like this, and many companies use WebEx, all shapes and sizes, whether they're small mom-and-pop shops that need to connect with clients or, or big giants. Gino, tell me, you know, for those in our audience who aren't necessarily familiar with WebEx, how would you describe the platform?
1: Well, we are a collaboration and communications platform, which allows people to um, to be able to communicate with each other regardless of where they are. Uh, Whether it's synchronous, whether it's asynchronous, whether it's with video, whether it's with voice, whether it's a combination of both of those, uh, whether it's with messaging, we have a suite of products um, that we actually uh, provide to our users so that they can actually make sure that the distance between two people as they're going through um, communication just disappears and you feel completely immersed in the communication between them. Uh, either two people or um, ten people in a meeting or a hundred thousand people in a meeting. So it's all um, um, you know purely seamless. And we try to focus on the use cases largely around hybrid work, which is when people work in mixed mode. you know, so some people are sometimes going to be in the office, sometimes they're going to be home, sometimes somewhere in the middle. And today, let's be honest, hybrid work just doesn't work as well um, as either remote or when everyone worked, um, you know back in the office. And so what we're trying to do is solve that very hard problem.
0: Now, you guys have been around for quite some time before a pandemic existed. Can we talk about the beginnings a little bit about WebEx? Because, you know, the platform you're describing, you know, has been years in the making and constant updates over time. And and tell me if I'm mistaken or not, but WebEx was originally just a meeting tool before it evolved into this really, this unified communications platform.
1: Yeah, you know, back in the day, exactly, back in the day, um, you know, it used to be this ability for people to share their screen while they were on a phone call, right? And uh, and then from there, there was voice that was added in there, and then there was video, and then um, you know, when I came on board, uh, we had multiple different products: we had a calling product, and a messaging product, and a meetings product, and, a, uh, and then we said, let's let's build a unified platform. Um, that can have calling, messaging meetings, polling, Q;A events, whiteboarding, webinars, async video, all of those kind of fully integrated together in, um, in one product and make it available so that people don't have to keep jumping around in different products to go out and do these things. And uh, it's actually worked extremely well. And you know when, we, um, when I first started, we had, we had taken our eye off the ball on quality for a while. You know, and so, um, you know, it was always glitchy and there were issues with the product. Um, This is like, what you know, four, three, four years ago. And we decided as a team to just completely replatform the product and say, let's have, um, you know, quality and audio be um, be the number one, you know, kind of priority, because if you don't have audio, you don't have a meeting um and we did that and we are our nps score went from 22 to like in the 60s now and it's uh it's it's amazing to see the the transformation that this team has done it's probably one of the most impressive transformations i have seen conducted oh, by wow. a team in my 30-year career
0: that's insane um you know one of the things i've noticed myself about webex is that you know it's not just telecom companies out there that use it but it, it's it, it's a var- varying Across so many different types of companies and industries, um, you know whether it's Fortune five hundred companies, whether it's you know manufacturing, no matter what it is, uh, Webex is has a use case for these different types of markets. How do you balance the needs of those different types of markets? Because everybody, everybody can't possibly need just the same thing.
1: Yeah, the way that we've well, what we've found, and this is um, you know this classic product management hygiene. Um, I think oftentimes what ends up happening in companies is people confuse customer centricity and customer obsession with um, building every feature that every customer asks for. And actually that's exactly the opposite of what customer centricity means. Customer centricity says the technology should disappear and you should have a completely immersive experience. And that means that you're gonna build capabilities in the product that can be used by the most number of customers. So can you build the least number of capabilities that the most number of customers can use rather than going out and having bespoke additions to the product that one or two customers might have asked for? Because what that does is it corrupts the simplicity of the product itself. And so the most important thing that we focus on is, is it easy and intuitive to use? And are most of the capabilities that we're building in this age of AI largely invisible in nature where the system just works in the background? Where you don't have to worry about it, um, and that that takes a level of discipline, it takes a level of rigor, and it takes um, a degree of um, you know uh, active thinking on is this something as a capability we add to the product that's going to is it going to every feature the way I think about it every feature you add to the product creates debt and every every piece of debt has interest and you better pay interest for the things that are worth taking the debt on for. And if you don't do that, then uh, yeah, yeah. And so we, we try it. to that's be extremely um, methodical about not just adding things because competitors have added them or anything of that nature. But it's just like, you know, is it a great experience? Is it solving a problem that's a big enough problem for people? And um, and our, our customer is going to be delighted about the experience that they talk to their friends and family about.
0: You know, I definitely want to get into the you know discussion of AI in a second, but I you know I can't imagine that it's an easy task for you guys to balance the introduction of new features while maintaining the core user experience, is it?
1: You know, it's um, I think it's a matter of building a culture where people care about um, building something that hundreds of millions, billions of people can use without having an amount of effort that's expended to it. Because every friction point that you get, especially in this use case, right, and the meetings use case specifically, um, or even the calling use case, or any of those use cases, what ends up happening is every time you actually engage with someone and there's a glitch, it causes frustration, it causes anxiety, it causes people to not want to use the product. So we, you have to be maniacal about having a great experience and the reason I say that, you know, the most important thing is people love the product that they talk to their friends and family about, because the only scalable, sustainable marketing engine in the world that can take a product to billions of people is not billboards on a, on a highway. It is making sure that word of mouth is practiced by your users. And if customers love it, they're going to tell people about it. And that's the most trustworthy source for someone else to make a decision on whether or not to use it.
0: You're leading me in the perfect direction because I wanted to ask you specifically about that, because before we got on this conversation today, I did reach out to a bunch of different companies that use WebEx. And one of the things that that came back a resounding, obviously positive across the board was how close you listen to the feedback of the user base. And I know that there there aren't well a lot of companies will say that they do that the proof is sometimes in the pudding and and one of the things that i got back from people was that um you guys definitely are paying attention to what the users are asking so how how important is that element in the in obviously the growth of the platform and developing those new features
1: you know i think it's important to know what to talk to users about i think what customers are experts at is the problems that they have. No one else besides them know the problems better than them. What um, what oftentimes gets mistaken by product managers is saying, oh, customer asked for this feature, so I'm going to build it. No, that's your job. That's not the customer's job. Don't make the customer do your job. Your job is to understand the problem and then come up with an elegant solution for that problem. But don't take orders on what the solution should be have a deep understanding and curiosity on what the problem is that they're facing, and then try to figure out the most elegant solution for that problem. And I think there's a nuance over there that's a pretty important one, that if you can get right, and if your team can start to think about that nuance, I think, you know, magic starts to happen. But if you go to a customer and say, what features would you like me to build, um, What the only thing you can guarantee is you're going to build the worst product on the planet, because if even if you had unlimited resources, if if you built every feature that every customer asked for, all you would have is a Frankenstein of a tool that would be, would be super hard to use, and it would be hard to go out and uh, make it simple.
0: Well, you're, you're definitely you're definitely accomplishing your mission, and you can tell that your team is uh, is definitely uh, everybody's on the same page there, based on especially based on the feedback. Let's talk about AI for a second, because you know artificial intelligence. You know, yes, it's a buzzword today. Um, but it's, it's really played a role in everything that you guys have done and continue to do for for many, many years before people were talking about things like, you know, chat GPT and stuff like that. Um, how does WebEx leverage AI to enhance what you're trying to get at?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So we've been working very deeply with billions of dollars of investments in AI for the past half a decade or so, at least in this space and, um, um, really accelerated it about three years ago. And let me tell you what what we're doing with AI, because we started AI slightly differently from the area that there's a lot of kind of momentum and rightly so on, which is you know this notion of uh, generative AI, which we'll talk about in a moment. But we started AI largely with audio intelligence. And we said, look, if the most important part of a meeting is um, audio, because if you don't have audio, you don't have a meeting. Um, one of the things that we need to do is make sure that we have world-class audio. And what, what are the things that make world-class audio? Well, when, you have, when you're sitting in different places and talking to each other, not everyone has a pin drop silence you know, room where there's no other background sound. So one of the things we said is, let's take out all the background noises and amplify human speech and suppress background sounds. And so a lawnmower, a vacuum cleaner, a blender, you know all of those kind of sounds that you might hear from time to time when people are working from home or from a coffee shop or wherever, um, those get taken out for the far end, so you come across completely professional. Um, we started with that, and that was all based on AI, where we could actually determine what was speech versus just noise and suppress the noise and amplify the speech. From there we went to, well, let's just distinguish between people um, you know, that you want to hear versus other people that you don't want to hear. So we then went into distinguishing not just between noise and speech, but also between speech and speech. Because if, if you want, if you and I are talking and there's a bunch of uh, you know, people in the background that are talking to each other, you want to suppress that sound, but you want to make sure you amplify my sound. So we then created those kind of capabilities and then we kept going on and on from there. So that's been a huge area of investment is audio intelligence coupled with audio intelligence is video intelligence, where you know if you're in a hybrid mode and there's four people in a conference room, three people not in a conference room, and the conference room is a long conference room and you can't see someone at the back end with conference room, boy, before you know it, like you, you're not able to see people's facial expressions, the nonverbal cues aren't as, as apparent. And so what we did was we said, let's make sure that we do the things that work so well in the remote world post COVID and make that a, a also the case when people are working in this mixed mode. So how does that work? Well, we detect humans in a room and give each one of them an individual box rather than one large zoomed out box where you can't see anyone's face. And those were kind of video intelligence kind of capabilities. Uh, We've got a few more that we can talk about. And then there was, of course, analytics. You know, Are you joining your meeting on time? Are you multitasking? All of those things, which are personal insights. And then, what's happened since November 30th is this whole other opportunity that kind of opened up because of OpenAI and what they did, um, which was this large language models uh, and how we are able to take things like uh, and, and add capabilities based on large language models into the product as well, which we're going to have a bunch of announcements for, um, you know, kind of coming up in our uh, our event. But just to give you kind of an idea, when you start thinking about um, attending a meeting and Uh, You want to make sure that you missed a meeting, hey, wouldn't it be great if I got some summary of what happened? Those are the kind of things that we'll be able to do a lot of. And each one of these investments built on top of the other. Our generative AI models are much better because we can do speech to text, because all the origination of content for us is not from text, it's from speech. And so we have to make sure that we get really good at converting speech to text, so that that text can
0: then be used as an input yeah. for generative AI. You, you you mentioned so much there, so let me let me drill down a little bit. Let's talk about um, a, a couple of the a couple of the the buzzwords that are out there that you guys have put out. For example, the cinematic meetings. Can you describe what that is? Is that basically what you described in terms of putting everybody into a box and giving people that immersive experience and and taking the technology out of the equation?
1: Yeah, it's a very simple concept, actually. Cinematic meetings. Meet, long meetings are painful, right? Mark. And so if you think of being in a two, two hour meeting, where it can get to be a big fatigue factor for people, you get drained at the end of a two hour meeting. Why is that? Because for two hours, you're staring at the same angle of the video with the person um, as you're talking to them, there's no variety for the brain to go out and process. And so um, now if you contrast that to watching a movie for two hours on Netflix, Um, how, How do you find that? Is that as draining of an experience? No, it's not. In fact, it's completely energizing. Why is that? Because in a movie, every three to five to seven seconds, you'll see the camera angle change. And so we said, what can we learn from movies that we can actually incorporate into meetings? Well, if you have multiple cameras in a room, and if your system is smart enough that based on acoustics of sound, based on video movement, if you can actually keep changing up the angles Um, Zooming it out, zooming it in, making sure that people can, uh, as they're walking around tracking the camera, uh, if they flip around to look at a different camera, they actually now get focused on that camera. All of those things create the cinema quality for a meeting. And that reduces the fatigue factor and makes it look like you're being told a story rather than just being being part of a a long, drawn-out meeting. And so that's what we tried to do, and we launched this capability called Cinematic Meetings at, um, at this uh, event a couple of months ago, and it's been it's been a huge hit, and we're really excited about what it could do for people in this hybrid mixed mode world because everyone's going to feel engaged, everyone's going to feel immersed in the conversation, and not feel like they're completely fatigued, um, you know, by just looking at a grid of, you know, forty eight boxes on a screen for the next two hours. That just doesn't seem like a good way to live. That
0: yeah no, no, it sounds it sounds absolutely amazing and and one of the other things that um, um you guys announced was room OS. Um, this is something that intrigues me because it takes the conference room to a, a little bit of a different level and really kind of changes the mindset of the way people are approaching almost creating creating their spaces, isn't it?
1: Yeah, you know, one of the things, so Room OS, for those that might not be familiar with, what we have that's really unique in the industry is we're very similar to Apple in the sense that we make software, of course, WebEx, but we also make hardware that equips the conference room, that equips the home office, that equips, um, you know, huddle spaces, uh, whiteboards that are digital, so on and so forth. And the magic of this is that that hardware and software work really well together but then that hardware also works with other software that's not our software, so we've kept it completely open. And so um, the Room OS is that standard operating system that goes on any of our devices, from the smallest of devices that you can put on your kitchen tabletop to the largest of devices that you can have within your large conference rooms. We have the same operating system. And what that allows you to do is get this really immersive you know, feel um, that's touch-based, that's speech-based, where you can just walk into a a room and say, hey, join my meeting. And it's just gonna know who you are and join the meeting that you're scheduled for without having to reserve a conference room, without having to do anything. You can join it through a single touch or you can join it by a single voice command. And those kind of things just create magic for people. And it takes out all the friction that people go through on a daily basis to join the meeting so that they can focus on their work and not focus on starting the meeting Already going in stressed because it, you were late because you were you know um, screwing around or trying to get to the meeting and those are the things we want to take away from um, um, from the cognitive load that people have to kind of think about.
0: What is um what is you know we talked about the the you know language models and 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 just I mean what do you how do you continue to evolve this how do you continue to evolve it other than you know, we talked about some of the Texas Beach features and things like that. Things like the the cinematic experience, the Room OS. Um, how do you continue to grow that? How do you how do you try to anticipate what your clients are going to need in five years from now? Because as we said off the top, you guys have been in this business for a very long time. Before there was a pandemic, there was already a lot of these services involved, and obviously, the pandemic I think accelerated the growth of a lot of different features. But they were on the roadmap. And I think that, you know, there's obviously things on your roadmap now. How do you try to anticipate that? How do you try to grow with what your audience is going to want before they even know they want it?
1: You know, this is an area which is actually, from an innovation perspective, um, pretty easy when you think of it. Because you've got a very good um, benchmark of the ideal state. And Mark, the benchmark of the ideal state is you and I sitting across the table, having dinner, talking to each other, getting to know each other. And if you think that that actually is the the thing that you're trying to get to, what you have to do is get the technology to disappear so that the delta between in-person meetings and virtual meetings uh, or hybrid meetings is completely gone, it's completely disappeared. you know. And, and so then you just take that as thinking of that as a 10-star experience, saying, OK, what is this going to look like when we're fully immersed with each other? You don't think about, oh, if I'm talking to someone right across from the table, are they going to be able to understand me? Are they going to have any kind of audio glitch? Are they going to have a video glitch? No, you just assume that as long as their ears and eyes and the faculties are working, like you're going to be able to convey and you know converse with each other. Um, and we want to make sure that we can actually create that kind of an experience um, on video, where it doesn't feel like you're on video. And the way I think about it is the next generation of leaders for us um, need to be amazing at building relationships, not just when they're in person with other people, but also when they're not in person and they've never met someone else. And if you can do that, then you've actually built a whole new generation of leaders, because now you can access talent throughout the globe. From anywhere, um, and um, and that creates economic opportunity. I mean, imagine if someone in the village in Bangladesh can ac- access economic opportunity the same way as someone in the heart of Silicon Valley. Is in the world a better place if that happens? And so that's what we're trying to do. and you just have to systematically keep going back and saying, what are the friction points to not make that happen? And what can we do to make sure that that uh, and can you get it as close to um, you know people you know sitting across from each other? And when when people are in a mixed mode, how do you f- make sure that people feel included and not feel left out, that are not in the same room as anyone else? Because the reality is 98% of the meetings that we've studied will have at least one participant that's not in the same physical location as everyone else. So it's our job to make everyone feel included. Uh, and that's what, um, you know, and so we just systematically go from that end state vision and just keep kind of chipping away at it, uh, especially when people work in mixed mode.
0: Yeah, no, you you said that way better than I would ever be able to position that in life.
1: Yeah, Mark, I was just going to add one thing to what you said, which is, you know, um, the the ability for um, there not to be friction is is non trivial, um, and we need to make sure that we as a society do that. But it would be really unfortunate if post COVID, now that COVID's you know largely behind us, if we just revert back to doing things the way that they were before COVID. Um, I think there was some uh, value in saying people should have the flexibility to be able to work from anywhere. And that actually allows for uh, people of diverse backgrounds to be able to participate in a global economy. And we owe it to humanity, to ourselves, to make sure that people from anywhere – like geography should not be the determinant of whether or not you participate in a global economy. Competence should be.
0: Exactly. And I think leading up to today, I mean yeah. – you know, geography has always been an issue because people have thought that you need to bring that person into your country. You need to bring, you know, or or, the, or thought about the complexities around hiring foreign workers, et cetera, et cetera. But that's not an issue anymore. That no longer needs to be an issue. And and the way you the way you said that was just very uh, very well said. I could not say that any differently. Uh, but before I do let you go, I want to ask you about one thing because one of the shows we produce talks about technology from a from an accessibility point of view. We talk about, you know, making sure the tools and, and everything that we do is universally acceptable to anybody, regardless of an ability or disability, deaf, blind, whatever it is. Um, how does, obviously, audio intelligence plays a giant role in that. Because as you said, and as we say in, in the entire broadcast industry, without audio, you can have the, uh, the worst video in the world. But if your audio is pristine, you almost are making up for that. And I think in this particular case, When it comes to meetings audio is extremely important but how do you how do you approach accessibility how do you ensure that the products and services you're designing are inclusive and make sure that you're accounting for and i know it's not easy but accounting for for everybody and every ability disability um and every barrier that might be in their way
1: yeah i think on the accessibility front it's you know one of the most important things to keep in mind because you know our mission at Cisco is to power an inclusive future for all. That includes folks who have a disability. That includes folks who are uh, not in the same, uh, um, you know, geographic location as anyone else. That includes people that are introverted versus extroverted. Like, not that those are disability. It's just like there's different kinds of people around the world and everyone should feel included and feel like they have a seat at the table. Um, One of the things that we do, like audio is a very important piece unless you're hearing impaired. So what happens if you're hearing impaired? Well, uh, one of the things that we've done really well is real-time closed captioning through artificial intelligence. So our speech-to-text is uh, al- uh, almost, if not more accurate, than human transcription. And yeah. we are able to take uh, anyone speaking and in real-time transcribe it in, um, um, in text. But the beauty about this is not only do we real-time transcribing in, in text from the same language to the same language, we can also real-time transcribe and translate. So you can be speaking in English, and I can actually look at the transcript in Mandarin, or 120 other, uh, other languages. And that allows you not only to have inclusivity and accessibility for the hearing impaired, but also for those that don't speak the same language are now going to be able to benefit with each other, being able to communicate seamlessly. And so those are things that we think very long and hard about. And we've actually spent billions of dollars in this kind of stuff. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's money that gets well spent because what it does is improves lives for people.
0: Gidu, um thank you so much for taking the time to join me. Um, it, it's been a great conversation. Congrats on all the success. I'm looking forward to the upcoming announcements. And I, and I hope that you'll definitely come back and share those with us once they're announced so we can dive into those a bit more. I would love to, Mark. And thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. That is Cisco's Jiddu Patel here on Your Tech Report.